Welcome to Capital Musings, the official podcast of the United Nations Capital Development Fund. I am your host, David McHale. If this is the first time you are listening to us, welcome. If you are a longtime listener, thanks for your support. You can find the Capital Musings podcast on iTunes, Spotify, as well as on the landing page of our website, uncdf.org. I'm here today both to talk with a leader in the area of alternative and impact investment, but also in the interest of sharing what will be a really uh, exciting impact partnership involving UNCDF and Artesian. And I can't think of a better person to speak to about both of those subjects than Vicki Lay. Vicki is managing director of Artesian's New York office. She is focused on directing capital, innovation, and human endeavor towards positive social and environmental outcomes. So again, just a great both practice and thought leader that we have with us today. Very excited to have her on. Vicki, thanks so much for setting aside the time. My pleasure, my absolute pleasure. And you can introduce me anytime you like. Well, yeah, <laughs> in, in social functions or things of that nature, I'll, that's great. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to do it. I'm, uh, yeah, we have a lot of time on our hands, so anytime you need me, just let me know. No, thanks for setting aside the time. And I think on the topic of introduction, it probably makes a little bit of sense besides my high-level introduction, uh, for you to spend a few moments, we'd love to hear about you. We'd love to hear about your work. And actually, also, we'd love to hear you unpack about the work of Artesian, about its vision, its mission, and its work in the context of alternative and impact investment. So, yeah, please. Yeah, no, definitely. So, as you mentioned, I'm the head of impact investing at Artesian. I'll sort of start there. So, Artesian itself is a global alternative investment management fund. We've got 800 million under management, and we specialize in debt, venture capital, and impact investment strategies. We're global, so we've got offices in New York, London, Sydney, Melbourne, Singapore, Jakarta, and Shanghai. And on our VC side, we've got over 400 portfolio companies. And what's been really interesting for me as a unapologetically impact first person is seeing an investment firm that's unapologetically investor returns first to actually see themes emerge in the portfolio that are actually surrounding impact. So it's funny that our VC verticals are actually clean energy and clean tech, mm-hmm. devices and health tech, and you know agriculture, food security, as well as gender lens. So it's just been really nice for me to see the business case for impact investing and to be at the intersection between these two you know, very important worlds. Thank you for that. And in particular, thank you for diving right into gender because that's not only, and not separate from the partnership, frankly, it's, it's, just, it's just an important topic, particularly for the purposes of sustainable development. I think for our audience, it might be worth taking a few moments just to talk at a high level, and particularly for someone like you who works in the space, who sees the challenges as it relates to gender disparities in investment, we'd love to hear from you just a little bit about what are the investment challenges that directly impede gender equality and women's economic empowerment? And then after that, kind of a big two-part question, but I know that there's also a big focus on your end on diversifying the corporate leadership from the standpoint of gender. So how does corporate leadership add an additional layer of challenge when it comes to gender and investment? Well, that's a great question. I think the only way to answer that is you have to take a step back. 
to understand gender disparities in investing, you have to understand gender disparities full stop. And I think the best way to talk about that is the Global Gender Gap Report, which the World Economic Forum released, and they release mm-hmm. every year. And everyone sort of points to that as our, I guess, source of truth, right? So the gender gap is split up into four different areas. You have health and survival, education and attainment, economic participation opportunity, and political empowerment. We've been doing better in the first two in health and education. We're not doing so well as a world in terms of economic participation and political empowerment. Out of all four categories, economic empowerment is the only one that actually went backwards last year. So it's now going to take my two nieces, age one and five, it's going to take them 257 years for them to have the same economic opportunities as their male peers. That means every time they go for a job, every time they ask for a pay rise, ask for a promotion, try to raise capital for their company, try to get into a board seat, they are immediately disadvantaged just because they're a female. And so with that as the context, if you zoom back into investing, this is a serious issue because we're actually leaving about $28 trillion on the table in terms of global GDP, that if we had women participate, that's how much more we would be able to to increase the productive output of our human potential. And so I think what's really interesting is to understand that in terms of investing, right? Because at the end of the day, investing is all about getting risk-adjusted returns, okay? You want to make sure you're, getting the, you're creating the best opportunity to make money. And the research actually supports the business case for diversity in the workplace. It's nice and well for me to sort of stand on my soapbox, but I've learned that pointing fingers and you know, having passionate monologues, they don't do anything without data. And so you know, I think now the way I talk about it is that you know, Credit Suisse, they did a report that shows that businesses with at least one female board member they generate compound excess returns of 3.5% per annum, okay, compared to companies with no women on their board, right? Morgan Stanley, they did a study that showed that more gender diversity, particularly in corporate settings, can translate to increased productivity, greater innovation, better decision-making, and higher employee retention and satisfaction, okay? Despite all of this, women, they make up half of the employees of the S&P 500, yet they only account for 5% of the CEO positions. And in the investment world, the big institutional investors are realizing that they're leaving money on the table. So Goldman Sachs, they actually recently announced that they would not take companies public if they did not have at least one female or diverse director on their board. BlackRock in 2018, they began writing letters to companies without two women on their board and said, please explain your reasoning because we know that this isn't good investing. And so that's what the conversation is now. That's, that's the conversation that's happening now in the investment space. And all we're doing as an investment firm is we are taking the facts and the data about what is actually good investing, and we're creating an originating product which aligns to best practice. And it's not just us, it's industry-wide. So in spite of that enormous amount of, of GDP that is being left on the table, you're also acknowledging that at a very high institutional level, there's now this understanding that, quote unquote, good investing is associated with having diverse leadership that's reflective of gender. Exactly. And it's not even about gender. Gender is a subset of diverse, diversity broadly. Yeah. All we're saying, all the industry is saying is that, okay, if you have everyone in the room, everyone at the table who are making decisions, if they all look the same, they're going to be seeing the same kind of risks. 
and they will probably miss a lot of things that another type of person who looks different, who comes from a different background, has a different perspective, they're going to miss all of those risks. So all we're saying is that to diversify your risks, you have to diversify the opinions and the leadership at the table. And so we are starting with gender because it's half of the world's population. It's the largest minority for us to have this conversation with. But really, it zooms out to a larger conversation about diverse leadership broadly so that we can start getting, we can make sure that the people sitting in the decision-making seats about how we allocate capital you know, globally is representative of the entire human population and not just a small subset. I think that's a perfect place to discuss what, again, will be a really exciting impact partnership between Artesian and UNCDF. And this is a partnership that has a specific focus on gender lens investing and women's economic empowerment. would love to hear from you to discuss the broad outlines. With the understanding that women's equality would mean a better world, better business, and better investment for everybody, Artesian created this really awesome product called the Women's Economic Empowerment Bond Fund, which we're shortening to WeFund. And what we seek to do is to invest into the best of breed companies in terms of gender equality. And that means companies that have equal representation of women in their senior management and board positions. It's companies that have uh, great and fair work policies and around compensation and work-life balance, including parental leave and equal pay, as well as companies that are committed to supporting gender equality within their own workplaces, but also in their supply chains. So it's using our strength as a you know, corporate bond, you know, fund manager of over two decades, we want to create a fixed income strategy using equity screening and guidance to create a fund which will produce market rate returns tracking the Bloomberg Barclays Intermediate Aggregate Credit Index. Mm-hmm. And to that point, when we talk about fixed income returns, it's Underlying that, I guess, is this belief that there's a real demand on the investment side for investments of this nature that can deliver development impact and market returns. That's right. And that really, that's a great summary of how we view our role in the market as a alternative investment manager. We use our experience in venture capital and fixed income. And this gives us a unique experience where we can see the future of investing in capital stewardship. And we personally see that future as expanding funds management from simply risk return to a third dimension of risk return and impact. We absolutely believe that investors do not need to sacrifice risk-adjusted returns in order to deliver impact in a regular portfolio. And we wanted to put our money where our mouth is Mm -hmm. and create a product that empirically proves this. That's fantastic. And it also speaks to really um, the ethos of UNCDF, which is, and what you're alluding to, which is demonstration effect, because so much of what we look to do is to establish the investability of whether it's products or markets, particularly uh, in the LDCs, the least developed countries, where our primary focus is the 47 least developed countries in the world. So to, to that point, I mean, the demonstration effect can be quite powerful. I want to cue off also your point to quote you of um, money where the mouth is, because I think that dovetails perfectly also in terms of the way the fund is structured from the standpoint of uh, the utilization of the management fee. Would you mind discussing that a little bit? Yes, yes, definitely. So while the fund itself addresses 
gender equality in the corporate workplace, we understand that the economic gender gap itself is complex, multifaceted and far-reaching. So we wanted to make sure that our strategy, our investment strategy, was inclusive of everybody, every woman, not just women in the corporate workplace. And we were trying to innovate and skin it in different ways, but what we wanted to do was to keep the product really vanilla, looking exactly like what you would see on the shelf of any fixed income investment product, but to get really creative with how we use the management fee. And so what we're doing is we are donating a proportion out of our own pocket as a manager towards nonprofits, including you know, the UNCDF, as well as She Syndicate, um, which I specifically set up to actually close economic gender gaps. And that will be used to address the economic empowerment issues with the most vulnerable and marginalized women in our community and in our society and in our world. And so that's the, I guess, the innovative twist that we have on the product is that you're not only making an impact by investing in best of breed corporate companies that are supporting women in the workplace, you are also at the same time supporting every woman, no matter where she is, where she was born, what she looks like. And that's how we wanted to create an inclusive um, strategy. It's exciting and inspiring. And again, to your point in terms of putting one's money where one's mouth is, literally taking your management fees and reinvesting it Again, I would add, in addition, you already pointed this out, to, in addition to She Syndicate, UNCDF's development work in the 47 LDCs, and particularly the work as it relates to women's economic empowerment, which is one of our core uh, strategic interests. So we are down to the last couple of minutes, and I guess one tradition of this podcast is we always save the penultimate question for basically just to hear from the guest about their journey, kind of the journey that brought them to where they are. So we'd love for you to spend a few minutes to just talk about what was the journey that brought you ultimately to where you are today with Artesian. If I'm completely honest with you, I'm not supposed to be on this podcast. My mother, she was denied an education because of where she was born. And it was only because the Indonesian wars happened and my parents were forced to flee as refugees to Australia that I was born in a country where I got all the economic freedoms that came with it. You know, I got to go to college and get a degree. I got to meet my co-founder there and start my own education technology startup that raised millions of funding. I then got to move into venture capital started to make capital allocation decisions, moved to New York and got to talk about what I care about, which is equality and human rights and just leveling the playing field so that everybody, regardless of who they are and where they came from, they have the ability to uncap the human potential. And so it's because now that I'm, I feel like I'm privileged and I, I'm sitting in this seat where I, I shouldn't be, and the fact that I am a minority across all of my circles, founder, board member, investor, you name it, I'm a minority in that seat. And I, you know, I want to change that. I mentioned my, my two nieces, age one and five. I don't want them growing up in a world where they're immediately disadvantaged because of their gender. You know, I don't want, I don't want that for, for anybody. I don't think that's fair. And that is why 
I I started this um, conversation internally at the firm and why I launched my own nonprofit around closing economic gender gaps and why I guess, you know, most of the people backing me right now, even though they're male, that they do it because it's it's a broader conversation that we want to have with the world. It's that don't think that you are, you as an individual can't make a difference because I definitely don't come from a background of wealth or networks or anything like that, but I, the passion and the the drive to make change have opened doors that I, I couldn't even imagine, like this podcast and talking to you. So that's my story and that's why I do what I do. Thank you so much for that. And I think that answer was both personal and also global. So, and I think it's probably an appropriate way to close with the final question, which is obviously we're all operating in a global context that is at the very least to be described as surreal. So I guess my question, even before the COVID pandemic, so much of the sustainable development goals was predicated on this idea that we have a 10-year window where we have to get this right and where we have to extend sustainable development to the furthest reaches, to the last mile, to the LDCs. And that includes the area of of gender equality and women's economic empowerment. And I mean, it may be even now the case that that window has shrunk significantly, but I guess just I'll pose with the final question of to take a a serious uh, look at this and say, even now with the context around us of COVID, what happens if we don't succeed really in this effort to at least bring a substantial amount, a greater amount of equity as it relates to gender, and again, particular women's economic empowerment. You've already mentioned a critical downside, which is just an enormous amount of global capital, of GDP, that'll basically be on the sidelines and go untapped. But what are the, basically the larger implications of not focusing on this effort now and into the immediate future? You know, it's pretty simple. It's beside the business case which we have made, so $28 trillion that we are leaving on the table, we're talking about the productivity or the productive capacity of humanity, you know, as a whole. The amount of innovation, ingenuity and collaboration that we are leaving behind is staggering. We have some serious global issues that we need to solve. For example, in terms of climate, we have a $6.2 trillion infrastructure gap that is increasing every year, moving us closer to a tipping point, which will lead to catastrophic disruption. We have, as you've seen, a global pandemic, which has completely changed the way we do business and the the way we actually operate in the world. There are people out there now who can't, feed their children because they've lost their jobs. You know, there are people out there who have lost their homes because of flooding due to climate change. These are serious global issues. We need everybody involved to solve this. And if we leave half of our productive capacity on the table, we're just not going to get there towards sustainable development goals and to achieve what we know we can achieve as a populace. And so that's what will be the adverse effect. It's an unfulfilled human potential, which makes no sense given the fact that we are in 2020 
and we have made such strides as a species and we should be continuing that into the future for us and for our children and our children's children. I can't think of a better way to close. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Vicki Lay is Managing Director for the New York Office of Artesian. And this podcast is in relation to an impact partnership that will be launched between Artesian and UNCDF, which we will be announcing very shortly. Vicki, thank you so much for your time. My absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Capital Musings is a production of the Partnerships Policy and Communications Unit of the United Nations Capital Development Fund. I'm your host, David McHale. This show is produced by Fernando Theraus. Stay tuned and you'll be here again. You'll be hearing from us very soon on this partnership. Thank you for your time.